It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network, you're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle. With me, finally, five months later, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, you guys. Like I said, boys, it's been five months since we recorded. It feels like we've had an entire off-season. I don't know. I mean, when we decided we were going to record finally, I was like, I have to find all my stuff. I had it packaged everything up because I didn't know when we were going to start back again. Yeah, it's really awkward because uh, if you think about it, we had a five-month break, but there's only a four-month break now to when we start the actual season for 2021. So that starts December 1st for those of you that did not know. So it, it, it's really awkward. Like This is actually going to be a shorter off-season than the break we already had due to COVID. Yeah, I tell you, it's I've been quite stir crazy waiting for hockey to get back, and and now that the qualifying round's been going on, it's been almost twelve hours of hockey every day. I started watching, I think it was one o'clock yesterday at work, and I fell asleep after midnight with a hockey game on in the background for twelve hours. Man, that's that's been great. After having such a long break, I just cannot eat it up enough. Yeah, I have to admit though, it it, it was kind of difficult for me to fully get into this because one like. The games for the Preds have been like in the middle of the afternoon and I've had to work. So honestly, like as far as watching the Preds games, I have to watch highlights at night and or catch the very end coming from work because I, I was trying to go in early to to get off to see some of the game. But I've actually watched more qualifiers and or round robbing games than Preds games. I mean, it's been nuts. We had 12 hours of hockey yesterday. There were six games that were elimination games and five of them went home. What yeah. a, I mean, it was a absolutely carnage Tuesday, like absolutely incredible day of hockey. So it, it it's almost like March Madness. Oh, really? For, it is. for hockey, like oh, I, I love I mean, it. I would it's, be. It's it's been incredible. I wouldn't mind a little slight format change. I'm just saying because this has been absolutely incredible to watch. I mean, I even went as far to suggest a couple days ago that the team who places now 32nd, because if you didn't know, the Seattle Kraken are going to be coming into the league soon. Release the Kraken which is a great catchphrase they should use. Oh, they're going to use it. But in this case, since they're officially not in yet, I would say let's go with the bottom 31st team has to play a relegation game against the <laughs> oh yeah the top AHL team. They do that in, in some of the foreign leagues where yeah, like, I, you have to buy in. You Unfortunately, said that. Like, the Red Wings would have probably been ba- bounced from the NHL a couple years in a row. Yeah, that sounds crazy, but you, you talked about it the other day, Kyle, and I thought that was a great idea. What, what a wild ride that would be. It would be the Milwaukee Admirals versus... <laughs> The formidable the original six Detroit, yeah, Red, Detroit Wings. Red Wings. And they would get bounced probably. Uh, that would be great though. That would be so cool. <laughs> it would be great, but you'd be really mad it's like, if Detroit It's like the survival of the fittest though, baby. You know, if, you're, if your team can't cut it, then let's bring in the, the underdogs who can. That's, that's kind of a unique idea. Yeah, except for the fact that all these teams are established NHL franchises and yeah. all the legal ramifications for that would be quite large but at the same time it does sound good on paper just yeah. to it sounds like spice it up and give us a little drama it's like reality tv for yeah. for hockey they should make that into a video game or something would be a fun game 
But, you know, with the NHL getting returned back to play, you know, we had a couple of things. They took care of business because, you know, why not? You've got nothing else to do. <laughs> the big thing was, besides hockey restarting, was the CBA was extended to September 15th, 2026. So we don't have to deal with that. Including Olympics, I might add, which was a huge part of the deal. So That is right. I forgot about the Olympics part of that. Yes, because uh, obviously the last several times we've we've been omitted. So the fact that they were able to get this deal done with an extension and also give us Olympic hockey, which is great. for I, I think for the players, every player should have the opportunity to go play for their country to win a gold medal. And uh, I'm super excited to see that because obviously, you know, like, I'm going to have several teams that I'm going to be heavily rooting for. Like, it's about time to break out a Finnish jersey or a Russian jersey and, and watch Ovi try to get a gold medal for his country. Yeah, it's, it's going to be phenomenal. Can't wait. You know, if that does happen, you know Rene is playing for the Finnish team. Oh, first of all, the starting goalies will probably be Peck and Soros for Finland, which is hilarious to me because it's like the one-two combo. But um, I, I do laugh at that. I do like the Finnish jersey more so than the Russian jersey. It just looks cleaner. I, I actually am kind of partial to the Swedish jersey. The Swedish jersey is really nice. Oh, yeah, the triple crown. That the is nice. The triple crown with the gold and blue. It looks incredible. I would love to get one of those, actually. But that being said, while we're sitting here talking about the Olympics, there is the NHL qualifiers going on. So, again, if you've been living under a rock, the NHL decided that we're going to finally get back to play. And part of this memorandum of understanding and other highlights is that two of the cities in Canada, Toronto and Edmonton, were picked to be the hub cities which I think also works out great because some of the players say it's almost like a mini camp and all the players are actually like enjoying it, having fun, talking to each other. In fact, I read something the other day where it said that Alex Ovechkin was talking to um, one of the coaches of the other teams that they were going to be playing that day. And they were both like, yeah, we're playing each other, but you know, we're going to have fun talking about hockey. So I think the players are enjoying it. Uh, the cities are definitely enjoying it. We know Canada's definitely enjoying it. My wife's definitely enjoying having hockey back in her home country. And I think overall, I think this is something that the NHL could look at possibly doing in like a mini format down the road. I mean, I think it's working out great. Yeah, you know what is is crazy about um, this is is basically seeing all the media posted from the the players and basically them talking about how it feels like it's a peewee hockey tournament right now. Like it, it's it's like they're a little kid again because everything's structured. Everything's organized. You know, you get on the bus, you get off, you can't really go anywhere, you know, because you're a kid. <laughs> but you're all here with your friends and everyone's playing hockey. We get to go to the lobby and still eat some food. And then, you know, we can play some games in the golf simulator at night. It's it's really, it honestly feels like a little peewee hockey tournament. But the fact is, it's like 24 NHL teams and these are all grown men. And it's the cup. I mean, it, it it's phenomenal. Like, it's been fun seeing all the different uh, reactions to this, and not to mention the the way that the league has done this with the whole bubble set up too. It's been very safe for the players, but everyone feels very confident. There's been zero positive tests. Like they're they're moving forward in a great way, and I, I, you have to give the NHL props for setting up this tournament in this style and the fashion it is because it's honestly given fans too, like Matt was saying, a great way to view. And have a lot of hockey games to make up for that time that we missed. Yeah, it's it's interesting though. I wonder what the atmosphere like is in the rink because they are so you know there's no crowd, so they kind of have to pipe in any noise that they have you know kind of background chatter into the arena. You can hear everything that's said on ice. 
I, I just wonder what that does to the player. Do they feel like they're in a scrimmage? Do they feel like it's a practice? Or I, I bet it is a little bit hard to reach that, you know, kind of like mental toughness. You have to be like on peak form and mentally disciplined. And I, I feel like with it being such a unique situation, it's probably hard to reach that same level. But there is a challenge, and you know that's why they're professional athletes. They're paid to get out there and and uh, pay. Uh, we pay them to perform when the game is on the line, and it's certainly a time to rise to the occasion. So, and as far as we can tell, it's been going great. So it looks like it's not that big a deal for the guys. I mean, I like how they even did the arenas. Okay, yeah, there's no fans. They covered the seats up at least in the first half of the sections of the rows, and then you know they've got the these video screens on the sides that show different teams, even showing like. You know, they got each team's goal horns, got their goal songs. Uh, well, not not their goal songs, just their goal horns. I mean, they even took the Predators' uh, goalie chant part of it and put it in there. Yeah, with the fans, which was really a nice touch. I think Ryan Johansson even said it's it's nice, like, once you score a goal and, like, you have the entire chance rolled out and it feels like uh, there's a little piece of home here still. And, and not to mention, they didn't do the stupid CGI thing with, like, people in the crowd, which I, I, I saw for MLB. Like literally like yeah. a guy was walking and then it was a green screen and then like it cut off his face because like the crowd was back there. And I'm like, why even do that at that point? Don't put cardboard cutouts on the stands or CGI it. Um, I, I think the NHL has really handled this in an incredible fashion and given a great product. Oh, let's talk about the camera angles too. We haven't even talked about that. Those are phenomenal. Like, and honestly, I expect it to get even better, you know, like as the games go on and there's less that they have to cover. They're going to amp up the camera angles. I want one of those like flying over the head Monday night football ones on the, on the, on the motor. How sick would that be? Do you have a perfectly overview and like could follow the play? Anyway, it's phenomenal. Like what they're able to do and hopefully what they're able to continue to do throughout the playoffs. Now let's talk about the teams who qualified for the NHL qualifiers. So basically the biggest point was, is that they were determined by point percentages. So you have the top four teams in each conference were basically buys. They're locks. They're playing round robin. So you've got 12 teams left who are uh, be playing for point percentages. And Matt, I'm sorry to say Detroit did not make it because it was... How far if, down are they? Where are they at? 0.27? 0.275, point? actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, thank you for including that stat. Did Kyle. they get the first round pick? <laughs> LOL. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> did they get the first pick? <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Oh, so wait. it's literally, you had to make 500 or above to be a qualifier. And... <laughs> You had, in the East, Buffalo, New Jersey was right there at a .493, Ottawa, .437, and then Detroit's in the basement, as we just poked fun at Matt for. And then in the West, California didn't make it at all. Anaheim, Los Angeles, and San Jose, all... That's shocking, too. Like, in the beginning of the year, if you'd have told me that San Jose wasn't going to make it, especially with some of the people on their team, that that is a huge disappointment for that team. I, I'm just saying, because they were... They were actually up on the list as far as favorites to make playoffs and be like a fairly strong competitive team. They did not live up to the hype this year. I have to say, I saw a video on Instagram this morning of Brent Burns shooting bow and arrow in the desert somewhere. And I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's hanging out. He's relaxing. He's waiting for the next round to start. Nope, they didn't make it. They didn't even get in. And I just, yeah, I kind of assumed that they were, you know, already through and they were waiting for it to get started. Nope. Yeah, a lot of things was interesting when I was doing the research for this last night because the information for the NHL was really inconsistent because no one really had an idea of what they were doing. So last night, honestly, was my first time actually getting a full list of, you know, who qualified, uh, who didn't make it, and other things. So, you know, you were just, we were just talking about the NHL draft lottery. So 
The number one pick in the 2020 NHL Draft Lottery is going to be selected by a team who loses in the qualifying round. <laughs> to match the grin, he's like, ah. I mean, and you had teams like Detroit, who had an almost 20% chance to get the number one pick. And then you had Ottawa, Dude, who had two. Two picks. They had like a combined, like what, 40? It, it is unreal. Like, it just cracks me up that neither Detroit or Ottawa got that first pick. And so every team that loses in the qualifying round is going to have a 12.5% chance to acquire Alexis Lafreniere. And I know I probably said that wrong, but after hours of trying to say it right and even asking my sister-in-law what the correct pronunciation of the name was, that's my best guess. Well, you kind of have a habit of mispronouncing hard names, so it's all right. We'll let you slide. But to be fair, even some of the NHL commentators do the same thing. It's pretty easy. Like, I, don't, I don't know what's the big deal about it. So let's look at this. But maybe he's been on my list for, you know, six months. So. Yo, you've been watching him because you knew that the Detroit was going to yeah. be in the basement, but then yeah. they ended up not. So the number one pick of the 2020 NHL draft is going to the qualifier loser, oh which God. was quote unquote Team E, who had a two and a half percent chance of getting it. And here we are. Number two was Los Angeles. Ottawa gets number three. Detroit gets number four. Ottawa again gets number five. Anaheim gets six, New Jersey gets seven, and Buffalo gets eight. Like, I mean, how do you have to feel as Detroit and Ottawa? I mean, like, it's funny. You didn't even get the first pick. You didn't even get the second pick. Yeah. you know, And Ottawa had two picks. It's ridiculous. I've said that there needs to be some reform in the lottery. Yeah, I've said that for years. But think about this. You know, Toronto just came back to tie the series, so the next game is elimination game. But So Toronto could get put out. They almost got put out last night. And the Penguins have already been put out. So you're telling me the the number one draft pick could go to the Penguins or the Maple Leafs. Like, that's absolute. But teams like Detroit and Ottawa who need it, you know, they get screwed. That's, that's ridiculous. Well, that's kind of the funny part about this qualifying round. And we'll get into all the people that have moved on and been eliminated. But some of the teams that are moving on honestly really needed that first round pick. Yeah. And it's funny because like they yeah, would have done yeah, better. You might be hot now because you gelled quicker than the other team, but I don't think over the course of a season, you're going to yeah. be the better team next year. In the long run, In it would have been better run, to lose yeah, and get the like, pick. And yeah, I, I mean that, that's kind of how I felt like, yeah, I mean like sure the coyotes are super excited that they're moving on, but they probably could have used that first round pick too. I mean, the Canadians could have definitely used the first round pick. You, yeah, you, definitely. Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 teams like that that over the long run they might not make the playoffs next year, but they happen to make it this year just because of the expanded format. So uh, that is an interesting topic of conversation for sure. Because uh, I, I mean, you're you're going to have another team that is a good team, i.e., Preds, Toronto, uh, Penguins, get the first round pick, literally the first overall pick. Yeah. The point of the of the draft lottery is to help teams that are hurting, but we've made it such a, like a random type of picking system that it could go to anybody in particular. It's likely to go to somebody who doesn't even need the help. So it's defeating the whole point of what it is. And you know, it's not helping the teams that are hurting like Detroit. Well, I understand that like the lottery is in place to prevent tanking essentially. Like you don't want a team to tank and then just automatically get the first round pick. But in the case of the Red Wings this year, like, there's not a lot of tanking in ho- hockey, okay? Like, a lot of these teams, the, there's a very pride factor, uh, you know, for, for these players. But at the same time, Detroit was so bad 
like so far bad and like Matt will be the first person to admit this. They were so far bad that they needed to get a higher percentage to be able to get that first pick. Ottawa should have been in that conversation too, especially considering they had traded and gotten a second pick, which they already were in a dumpster fire situation when they traded all their players yeah, to get all those picks. Exactly. To get the first they round. They traded to resources to get that advantage. To try to get that first round pick or that first overall pick and they did not get it. And that is like, that is killer for teams that are really bad like Detroit and Ottawa. So, I don't know. I, I feel like the lottery is the right way to go to still prevent tanking, but at the same time, I feel like the percentages just need to be adjusted slightly depending on how bad the team is and some other factors. I mean, it's very hard to monitor this considering you don't want people to like take advantage of the system and like purposely tank. But at the same time, man, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow for Detroit and Ottawa fans because like you could literally be watching Sidney Crosby get a first round draft pick come coming onto the team. I get the uh, not tanking. So what I'd look at is maybe you don't have a certainty that the that the worst team like Detroit would get the pick, but the first pick needs to go to one of the top, one of the bottom three teams. So like t- the worst team needs to have like a like 50%, lock it in yeah. at the the bottom three, yeah. yeah, cap it at it cannot it cannot fall to a team that's not in the bottom three or four or five or yeah. something like almost that. like a tiered system exactly. where you like one through three, it's tiered three through four. Yeah, it's tiered right now. It's just tiered way too high up. Yeah, like smaller bracket groups. But yeah, it's it, that's frustrating. Like I said, if if and it that is exactly what's going to happen. And you know, like the Penguins are going to get the first overall pick or something. And like the funny part is, all the pens are salty right now because they just got put out. But like then they'll be like, oh yeah, we got the first overall pick. Like then we get to hear that for like five months on Twitter. So like. And then it's going to lead to it's people whatever. saying the NHL rigged it so that the yeah. Penguins yeah, get the number one definitely. draft pick. Now you're going to see Lafreniere go to the Penguins and Crosby's going to train the next generation of greats. You know, it's just going yeah, to be a legacy of be, Penguins. It's yeah. going to go from Lemieux to Crosby to Lafreniere. Like, let's just pass, pass the torch. But to be fair, it's, what would have happened if the Blackhawks got out and they ended up getting number one draft pick? Well, they need it. They need they, it. They, That's they all need right. It. Like, I, and we'll get to this once we're about to get to the qualifiers section. So, it, and we can go ahead and jump on in here for the qualifiers because like, there's plenty to talk about in this section. Well, then let's get into it. So we're going to start with the Eastern Conference round-robin qualifiers. So these are the teams, the top four teams that were lock-ins for the playoffs. They're in the bye, and they're basically playing for seeding right now. It's going to be the Lightning, the Flyers, the Capitals, and the Bruins. And if the playoffs started today, the Lightning would be the number one seed, the Flyers the number two seed, Capitals third seed and the Bruins the fourth seed, which is surprising that the Bruins were the President Cups trophy winner and they are number four, not having won a single game in their round robin. As I said before, nothing is going right in these qualifiers. It's whatever, like you can throw all the season stats out. We had a longer break than an offseason, okay? Like it's whatever team could gel the quickest, and that is exactly what happened in these qualifiers. It is mind boggling. The teams that probably should be winning did not. Uh, I mean, you have a few that are still performing, like Colorado and and the Lightning. Like you would expect them to be good, but uh, I don't know how to explain their Bruins coming out flat because they have way too much star power to be at zero points right now in that uh, that in that round robin. But let me tell you, today though, it's the Lightning versus the Flyers and the Avalanche versus the Knights for for games. So today you're going to have points on a premium, and it's it's going to be an incredible round of hockey today to watch. 
at this point, you know, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights are basically playing for the number one and number two seed because right now Avalanche are on number one, Golden Knights are number two. Raining Stanley Cup champion Blues are at number three and the Stars at the number four seed. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because today's games will determine the number one overall seeds for these uh, this grouping. So uh, uh, I'm I'm really excited to see today's games, but we'll see how that all pans out. But once again, if you're these teams, you're probably looking at it like, man, I'm glad we had the first round by because of all the other teams that lost that were good teams. Like, I mean, if it, you're looking at these qualifiers and the round robin and saying, hey, I'm glad I got three extra games that didn't count, really. You know what I mean? Like, they count as far as seeding, but they didn't count to put me out of the playoffs, if that makes sense. So, I'm glad I got the extra practice because, boy, I'm going to need it because some of these other teams gelled really quick, which we'll get into. And I feel like, appropriately, it's better to put more emphasis on the qualifying games because these are the teams that, you know, when the season stopped, these were teams that you know, outside of these top eight teams, these remaining teams were kind of like, they could make it, depending on how the season would end. And I understand why the NHL did the format like this. And I, like I said, like the format. And it's just interesting because it gives you more emphasis and you see more upsets. So we'll start in the Eastern Conference and we'll start with the number five seed Penguins who played the number 12 seed Canadians. And to the shock of everybody, except for a few statisticians like Micah Blake McCurdy, the Canadians upset the Penguins to win 3-1 in advance and kick Sidney Crosby out on his birthday nonetheless. And, yeah, the Canadians were the team to put the Penguins out, and they lost every single game <laughs> they played against the Red Wings this year. Just put that in perspective. Yeah. And uh, another uh, guy, Dom Lustician, said that the uh, statistics, the playoff chances for uh, as far as when back in March 12th, about when everybody stopped playing, that Montreal's chances of getting in were 0.1%, and Pittsburgh was 99%. And that's what happened. Montreal put them out. Yep. Now, I heard the overall theme of this series was that Montreal looked to be the harder, hungrier team, and Pittsburgh looked like they just didn't care. The, they did not gel really well. Um, Malkin was not on top of it. He, uh, uh, Sydney came out fairly strong, but Malkin did not look like he was ready. Um, it, there was just something off in his in his play. Um, I, I even got that in like the first exhibition game. Like he had a turnover right in front of the net against the Flyers, and it was like very unmalkin. You know, like uh, it, his his just he wasn't there mentally. Um, and then on top of it too, there's a couple factors. Price played out of his mind. He yeah. stood on his head the entire series, which is funny because like you think Price like okay he could steal a game or two. No, he stole the entire series. He was phenomenal. More vintage. It was vintage price. Like it was it was absolutely incredible. Shea Weber played great defense. And let me tell you, the the penguin killer is Petrie. Yeah. He Captain had, Clutch. I, I mean, no joke. He had two game winning goals in the first three games. I mean, like it, it was amazing what that guy was doing. I, I mean, if you're a Penguins fan, you gotta hate him, but at the same time, man, he was clutch the entire series. That first one, we were watching it too live. Oh my gosh. Beautiful toe drag back to his body, buries it top shelf. The other one was a power play goal off the head yeah, and into the back of the net, like from a very tough angle. Like he, he was playing incredible. You got to give it to him. I mean, some of those shots, yeah, a little lucky, but at the same time, you let them stay in the game and that's what you get. Like that's what you get for letting a team like that that's hungry just stick around. But And, and you know, it kind of always goes back to goaltending. You said Carey Price stood on his head and Pittsburgh 
kind of had a 1A, 1B situation. They were kind of going back and forth. They swapped there in the last game, game four again, to try to get something going because it wasn't working previously and they still couldn't come out. But that's the way it works. You didn't have one guy that really sealed the deal for them. And but for me, the Penguins have never been about defense. I mean, obviously, they're they're more offensive-minded with, with their talent, and it wasn't there. But It was not there. But still, you got to be able to stop the formidable Montreal Canadiens. Like, yeah. No, no. I mean, there's no excuse at the end of the day. But once again, your stars were not producing. And, and, and it kind of goes back to what we said. You know, it's been four or five months off. It's like a new season. Who's what lines are gelling right now? It has nothing to do with any kind of momentum you've had in previous weeks together because it, it's a start fresh. It's a clean start right here. So it really doesn't surprise me that all these upsets, you know, including this one can happen when you got such a clean slate like that. But, you know, you're talking about upsets and you're talking about how you know, it's a brand new season for everybody. But let's be honest. The Oilers season looked exactly the same. I mean, you got Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, come in, number five, going to play the Blackhawks, who are ranked 12th, and Chicago upsets them. And it was just terrible. And you know what? If I'm Connor McDavid, it's time to get off that train and get Bro, somewhere else. I had a rant about this. In our text group, because I was like, he needs to Mick get out of there and ask for a Mick trade. Because guess what? He has done literally everything for this team. He was phenomenal in this series. Like, you have the two best players in the league right now. Okay? You have Dreisaitl and McDavid. And you cannot get past the first flipping round. Like, come on. Give me a break. You have no defense. Your goaltending sucks. Like, you have to try to address this and all. Like, and the funny part is, this is like year two or three where we've been saying they got great offense. All they need is, you know, like just a couple of more pieces on defense and, and they're going to win a cup. Wrong. They still cannot get it right. If I'm McDavid, I'm wanting to get out of here. I'm wanting to get to a team that has solid goaltending and just a couple good defenders. And then I can go score all the goals because, first of all, some of these goals that he was scoring, unreal. He's by far the best player on the ice. He's got the speed. He's got the talent. He's got that eye coordination. You just look at him and look at some of the goals, and you know, like he's the best player in the league right now. And he is wasting his time and literally not winning cups as the best player in the league because he is having to carry a team that can't play defense like at all. It's it's kind of embarrassing. You got the best player in the world, top two, and he can't even make the playoffs. How? That has to freaking suck. And I don't care how much you're making. Yeah, he, he got paid a premium to go there. He actually said he took a pay a bit of a pay cut there. Like he could have got more money. I don't at this point, you're making tons of money. You can go somewhere else. I'd even take a pay cut to go somewhere else and make the playoffs. I mean, I make out enough money. I'd like to not tarnish my reputation and name as one of the best players ever because I can't make the freaking playoffs. What's crazy is like, think about it. If he goes to another team with solid goaltending and defense. I.e. the stars. You could go to the stars, and guess what? You'd probably win a cup because like, they play solid defense. They have the lowest goals against one of the best in the league. And guess what? Now our offense just went up almost a goal a game because we have McDavid. Like, it, it blows my mind that like that team still cannot progress and get... F- like It's not even talking about getting into the play- Like They can't even get deep in the playoffs, and then they can't even make the playoffs technically this year, even though they're saying these are playoff points you know that's another thing that David we, got some playoff goals he but got yet playoff the, goals but there was still a qualifier and we still didn't <laughs> got played in and we got beat by a Blackhawks team which was the youngest team on average right here I, whatever 
Whatever, like it, it blows my mind. Like that's my rant for McDavid. He just needs to get out of here. First of all, let me just go back to give the Blackhawks credit. Kane was incredible. Taze was yeah, he a looked good. beast in this series. And DeBrinket and Kane, they kind of swapped up the lines. That was a great gelling for them. Their power play looked dangerous. The Oilers took so many penalties. Like there was one game they had like six or seven penalties. It looked like that first game uh, for the, the Preds. Uh, yeah, it, it was unreal how many penalties they were taking in this series. And that killed them because like their power play was actually like quite, quite effective. So uh, it, it's one of those things. The, the Hawks deserve to move on. McDavid, <laughs> that team should have won. That like that team should have won. I, I still don't understand that team, and um, I, I don't know how much more McDavid's going to put up with. Like how how many years do you give yourself of that? Oh, you I'd be done. I mean? I'd be done now. Off season, say just go to him. It's like you know what? Get me out of here. Tell my agent I make enough money. I can literally pay myself to move somewhere else. Well, it's one of those things too. And they signed him so long term that. Um, yeah, McDavid is signed at twelve and a half million through twenty five twenty six season. At this point, I'm gonna be like, "What did the Oilers have on you that's making you stay?" I, like, I, I don't know. It, it's just it's so frustrating because at some point you have to say, I, "We need to get defense in there." By the way, they only have five hundred thousand dollars cap space, <laughs> so it's like uh, they're gonna have to find those defensemen in a hurry. Like, I, if honestly, I'm getting rid of some of, like, I'm having to shuffle some forwards around. But uh, honestly, outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl and Neal and Nugent Hopkins, like, everyone else is like three million and lower. So it's like, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's such a weird conundrum to have, but you got to be able to figure that defense out because he's too good to not win a cup. So we'll, we'll see. Moving on back to the East, you've got number six Canes played the number 11 Rangers and were the only team to have a sweep in the qualifying rounds, which I honestly was not surprised that this was going to happen. I just like the Rangers have not been good this season. They have not. <laughs> yeah, that's about the only series that went the way it that, should have. That went exactly how I thought it was going to. Sad though, because I got to see Lundquist sit on the yeah. bench like this and watch another year go by of just like pure disappointment. Like that is a freaking great hockey player who more than likely is not going to win a cup and uh, actually his his contract's up this year so he can actually go to a different team even though he has been with the rangers his entire career i honestly hope he goes and plays like more of a like secondary starter role um to try to win a cup with a team because i I don't think the rangers have a chance next year or the year after like they're still in developmental phase so if i'm him i'm definitely opting out and moving on to a team where I might have a chance. So, Another team that just needs all the help they can get are the Panthers. They were ranked number 10 going into the qualifiers. They were playing the number seven seed, Barry Trotz Islanders. And of course, the uh, Islanders bounced them out, winning their series 3-1. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Canes and the Islanders were the two series, in my opinion, that went kind of the way I expected. Yeah, I was going to say the same um, thing. The Panthers are, they're not they're not very good it, it just was and it didn't gel for them quick um the islanders have solid defense you know so it, it was it's a trots team so I, I expected this to go the way it did i watched a few of their games the islanders look pretty good i would definitely look out for them in the next round because uh i mean trots is always going to be a nice stiff competitor in the playoffs and then going over to the west uh, number 10 wild got bounced by number seven canucks which 
I thought could have went either way. I was kind of banking on the Wild, seeing how they won the first game 3-0. Then the Canucks come back in game three and shut them out 3-0. And then, you know, it was the late game last night. So I'm yeah. going to be honest, I didn't watch that game because yeah, I, I was catch sleeping. The, uh, the final of it, <laughs> but uh, seems to be quite a finale that uh, Canucks shut it out in OT. And I'm happy to see that, man. I, I'm from the glory days of the old one or two Canuck runs, you know, where they get to the finals and then burn the city down when they lose. But uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of rooting for the Canucks. They've been in the basement for a while, a little bit, and uh, I'm glad to see them on an upstride here and, and making the playoffs. That's got to do well to the franchise and to the uh, the mentality in the room. Same thing, uh, same thing for the Coyotes. We'll get to. Well, I think also the the Canucks went into like a more of a de- developmental phase a couple years ago, especially with getting like Pedersen. You know, like they started getting those really nice yeah. draft picks and now you're starting to see the fruits of that They've finally got, come to fruition now and honestly i thought they were going to make the playoffs this year because they were starting to get hot towards the end of the season um but also the funny part is you go on the flip side the wild kevin fiala was on fire the last half of the season and he came out firing in this season but the problem was he was their offense and then once he dried up as we know fiala gets really streaky Okay, like he has these stretches where that's just like he's literally the best player on the ice and then it'll just go away because like mentally, because you know, like he gets in those mental ruts where he just can't get a goal. Well, unfortunately, this last game, he didn't score even though four wild score, but like those last two games, very bad. Like he was killing it the first two, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to be able to sustain that for the entire series. And that was the case. The Canucks are kind of what the Oilers wish they were. They've got a lot of great young uh, freshman and sophomore talent in there. They're fast. They got great hands, but they actually seem to get it done. So it really doesn't surprise me that they're able to edge out the wild here. And then also in the West, we had the number eight Flames versus the number nine Jets, which that was a bloodbath, but the Flames ended up winning partly because Shifley and Patrick Laine just were out after a while. And as somebody said it, it was a war of attrition between the two teams and the Jets gave out first. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we had the play on Kachuk and Shifley where there's a lot of varying opinions on this, obviously, because like you see people who are like, oh, that was so dirty. I play hockey and I know what a dirty play is. And then you have people that are like just looking at it and it looked pretty harmless. Um, yeah, Kachuk's kind of a dirty player or whatever. He's definitely an, an antagonist for sure, but it just, it looked to me that like he wasn't purposely trying to like kill Shifley because Kachuk's more of like that physical person. And I felt like if he would have been wanting to hurt him, he would have been like body checking him up against the board. You know what I mean? That's just my feeling on the matter. But once again, that was a huge blow for, for the Jets. So to me, I, I'll go and lean that it was on the dirtier side of things, especially because uh, you say he's kind of a grinding it out player, a sandpaper player. He, uh, to me, he, he's a dirty player. And when you have a reputation like that, I'm going to not lean in your favor when there's kind of gray gray line that could have been an intentionally dirty play. So I'm going to, uh, based on his reputation, I'm not going to give him any slack in that regard. I get that. Just most of the plays that he's involved with, though, are like the heavy, you know what I mean? Like, He's yeah. like up in your face, like hitting you with a stick yeah. or like, you know, it, like those are the plays that I see all the time of him being dirty, where it looked like he was like kind of looking off too at the play. Uh, both of them were honestly, but at, at the same time, 
it was a huge blow for the Jets. As soon as this happened, I was like, well, any chance they really had, like, I, th- there's just no depth for them after, after yeah. that. He is a leader in that locker room for the Jets. As soon as he goes down, like, that's going to hurt big time. And the Flames were arguably the better team on paper to come into the series with. So if you were on the fence on this one, yeah, it, it's like, unfortunate it, to go out like that, but it was definitely any chance they had, those injuries really sealed the deal. And then we'll go over to the last game in the East, which was the number eight Maple Leafs versus the number nine Blue Jackets. Again, a team that, again, a game which is went back and forth. Uh, humorous was that the Maple Leafs lost game three. After having a 3-0 lead, Jackets come back with four unanswered goals to win in overtime. And then that was the best. The Maple <laughs> Leafs then, turned the right back around on them, coming back from an 0-3 deficit to win in overtime as well. Yeah, you, if same you, if thing. you want drama. This has been the best series. I'll go ahead and say this has been the best one, drama. baby. Drama. Drenched. It's just Maple unreal. Leafs blow a three-goal lead to lose in overtime. Torts, what a boss. First of all, Torts post game is literally the best because after that second game, that like they're just like the media is just talking about it and they're like, What went went wrong? And he's like, We sucked. Yeah. And they ask him another question. He's like, we sucked. Like, <laughs> it is just, I love his sound bites. They're always great. He is always brutally honest with his team. And I think that his team responds to that too. Like, because they're, they're a very gritty team, like very hard for checking. I, I love the Blue if Jackets. If you've seen the clips of him, even now, screw post game, mid game, baby. Oh, yeah. He's screaming at his players on the bench. He's giving them an earful like he's about to hit him in the face, man. Kicking the bench. Oh, it's great. I, I, that's great. And look at the total opposite. It's somebody on Instagram said it was, that's the difference. Here's a, like a, here's a real coach. And then Toronto's coach is like a babysitter because they're like a bunch of spoiled brats. You know, well, they have like three ten million dollar players. Yeah. Like, so just, he's kind of like, okay, go out there and play, do a good job. You know, he's scared to reprimand them almost. It's like, you know, we got all the superstars on my yeah. team. But to be fair, this is the era where the players have more power than the coaches do. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I'm not Buffalo. a fan. Not a fan. Buffalo. I, I thought Housley would have been great still in Buffalo, but you know, Jake Eichel's going to get his way. So, so the final game. Where the Blue Jackets Maple Leaf is going to be August 9th at seven o'clock Central Time. Oh, uh, tomorrow, who do you think is going to get it? Best. What this time is, is that? So we got to watch that. Seven o'clock Central. It's seven. Real quick, guys. Who's going to win? Bro, the Columbus uh, Blue, Blue Jackets, Jackets, baby. I want so. Uh, I want Blue Jackets too. I want the Blue Jackets. My heart wants the Blue Jackets. Now, you know it can go either way. Obviously, the 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 team that should win is obviously the Maple Leafs as far as the star power. They they shouldn't be anywhere near the conversation the the series should have been over considering the star power but once again you throw it all out the window it's a team that can gel the quickest the blue jackets have come together really quick and come out firing on the series so i i I expect a physical game this game is going to be down and dirty because you know they're already hard for checking the jackets anyways this is gonna be a great game cannot wait cannot wait and now it's time to get to our series that we purposely left to the end. And that was the number six Nashville Predators versus the number 11 Arizona Coyotes who have had their own drama so far in this season Yeah, with their GM leaving. Oh yeah. Forgot about that. I mean, basically he just gave up on his team and seriously, like just walked out. Let's talk <laughs> about the response. So we know that Arizona won this series three, one. That's a huge boost for them considering what they just went through. Okay, so when, when, when everything went out, everyone was like, oh, that's such a negative. Honestly, I thought it was not a negative. I thought it was going to light a fire underneath them because they're like, 
man, that guy left us. Yeah. We're going to prove him wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the mentality I'm having if I'm coming into the series now. Is like, you gave up on us because you didn't think we were good enough. I'm coming out there and I'm going to prove you 100% wrong. We're going to win a series and we're going to try to start a cup run. And that's exactly what they did. Um, I mean, credit to the Coyotes. They played great. Um, honestly, I didn't think the Preds played that bad overall. The, the, ser- the Game one was bad. I, I will... Like, we were watching game one. I don't even know how we were only one goal down. Because, like, Matt and I were watching it, and it's like, we took, like, seven penalties. Yeah, that, it, was, that was bad. It was a very we bad game. We couldn't get no momentum going It was that a game. very bad game to basically start out the goal. And, like, there's, like, the fluky, like, the fluky first goal. That oh, killed, that was not that, a good omen, that bro. Killed, like, it literally, Matt said it. He literally was like, well, that's a bad omen. Because it killed our momentum, and then all automatically we started trying to to claw back into the game and we started taking penalties and then they immediately scored again and next thing you know it's three to zero and you're like trying to claw back against a team that historically is all they want is two to three goals and then they lock it down they have phil housley that's my kind of team baby they have phil housley like you know you cannot get behind on this team and they have great goaltending camper was incredible the series nine point nine three 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 okay like that is amazing like give it give credit to the coyotes where it's due they absolutely deserve to move they, they on. They deserve this they series. They deserve to go on, but at the same time, I didn't think the Preds played that bad. The, the Coyotes the Coyotes played incredibly well. Sticking to goaltending, what did you think about the move to put Soros in that over Rene? So that was, oh, that's a little emotional for me because literally was, I was 16 the last time a goaltender started that wasn't Pekka in a series. Isn't that crazy to think about that? No, I will tell you, I was okay with it. It had to happen eventually, and honestly, what better time than now to go ahead and get it started? I, I loved the move. I'll say I know you you know old school Preds fans have got the emotional attachment like Daniel, but it was the right move. I like the move. Okay, so emotionally didn't like it, but it was the right move. And what you saw on the ice, like Charles played well. Like most of the goals that were let in weren't really his fault, and or they were just good goals. You know what I mean? Like that's what you want out of a goaltender. Like you want him to be able to be super solid. Rob a couple of good ones when he can, but you know, not not let in the obvious ones. You know what I mean? And Charles did that. He played extremely well. I look, huh. don't get me started on the second game. That should have been a shutout. Because like we'll get to that in a second. But he played phenomenally well. Yeah, it sucked not seeing Peck out there, but you have to be excited moving forward that Soros is going to be eventually the starter overall. Like and on top of it, he can play extremely. Like, you saw that. He had some incredible saves to keep us in the game. Like, honestly, like, it could have been even worse. And, you know, who else stuck out to me this series really was was Ryan Ellis. Despite being hurt and injured, you know, most of the season, he's come out and he's been an excellent player. Uh, now, Arvid. imagine what he would have been like if he had played the entire season. Yeah. And, and you got to think, too, Arvidsson coming back, too. He looked phenomenal that actually killed us the last game i think that's what did us in because he also got injured again he took that puck in the midsection didn't play for the third or the overtime which was a huge blow because that meant we had to shuffle the lines and jofa got broken up who was phenomenal again by the way that is if you think of for next season you're you're just excited right now because one soros played well jofa is back and they looked incredible again they they were back to their dominating like I, I, the coyotes had no answer for them like forsberg and arvidson played incredible johansson actually played really well you have to admit that like 
he actually played incredibly well in the playoffs. Regular season, no, he, he 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 did not play well. But that is a good sign moving forward that if they're reun- reuniting that line and they're hot again, then uh, it's great. Look, at, I mean, like look at those points. So, so Forsberg had three goals. Arvidsson had three goals. <laughs> Ryan Johansson had a goal and four assists. So, I, I mean, you're literally looking at Jofa and Ryan, uh, and Roman Yossi are your top four point getters. This is where you want to see. Like, this is what you wanted to see, like, towards the, towards the end of the season. So, I'm very excited for next year, considering that the Jofa line's back, and now you just have to follow and find your secondary scoring with those three lines. Like, that is going to be the biggest thing for our offseason, will be to sure up our secondary scoring, try to figure out exactly what our line two is, because for some reason, I feel like we can't get there. Like, well, well, it's, we'll, it's, we'll it seems like the Prince always just have this one piece they're always missing. He used to be the number one center. Well, you know, we trade Shea Weber to get Ryan Johansson, and that was our quote-unquote number one center. And then we get Jofa together, and we've got all the scoring, and then it becomes, well, now we need a good third pairing, and now we need good secondary scoring. We just never can seem to get that piece that ties it all together. And I think a lot of people thought that was going to come out with Matt Duchesne this season. And I thought he started off really well, but then he kind of just petered off a little bit. And then in the playoffs, he was kind of non-existent. He, he finally showed up this last game. It w- oh, Man, that second line was very frustrating because like during the playoffs, they looked good, but they can never get it. And then the one time that Turris actually gets a beautiful goal, Matt Duchesne is off sides on that game. And that turned the entire momentum on itself. Like we, instead of being up a goal and then playing some solid defense, we went back to tied and that was it. They scored like a couple minutes later and then we were playing catch up in that game. And then you and, had Smith took a really bad penalty as well in dude, that game. Like there was just small mental mistakes like that where Forsberg's literally diving through the air to try to get back on side in the same game yeah. and Matt Duchesne's like off by a hair because he just wasn't paying attention. And that really ticked me off. To me, it just seems like the Preds are a shell of what they should be. There, you can see a little glimmer and a little piece of the magnitude of their abilities, but it's 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 not quite there yet. It's just a a form, and that that's frustrating. And another thing is, like you said, Kyle, there's always been a missing piece. It seems like whatever that is, whether it's uh, Cody McLeod or uh, who was that other horrible defenseman a couple of years ago, Emlin, <laughs> Alexi Emlin. <laughs> Uh, whatever the it is, comes. it seems to be that the other team finds a way to exploit that missing piece or the weakest link Every in time. the Preds roster for yeah. some reason. I like what Adam Vinkin said. So earlier in the season, to put some backstory to this, we mentioned that the Preds were on a bell curve. They, for a oh, while, yeah. were like, you know, they're just irrelevant, middle and pack, worked their way up the Stanley Cup finals. And then afterwards, every year, they fall in lower and lower and lower. And this year, Belker was complete. Remember, I told yeah, you it was that a they complete ladder. I told you at the beginning of the season that I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, and yeah, technically, they didn't make the playoffs. Technically, but everything still counted as postseason they goals. Got, yeah, and I like what Forsberg uh, got postseason goals, but yet the Preds didn't make the playoffs. And I like what Adam Megan said too. in one of his articles. He said after another early exit, the Predators are drifting towards irrelevance, and then he says the Predators who were built to win championships because that's what Boyle's doing. He said are languishing mediocrity and drifting towards irrelevance. 
So do you agree? Do you they think made, we're becoming a team that just no one cares about anymore? They made a no. perfect stair step. You know, every year they made farther and then farther and further. You went from quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, then back down, yeah, semifinals, to, quarterfinals, yeah. out. So really, here's the question that the fans are getting all heated over. People are starting to call for, is it a time for a change of leadership with GMDP? And that seems to be the, pre- the prevailing uh, question currently. Well, it's really difficult because some of the last trade, like you go, oh man, well, we traded Grandland for Fiala and Fiala got hot. But you also have to remember Fiala goes through these stretches, as we said, where mentally he gets really hot and then mentally like he's non-existent. And he also turns the puck over a lot. So there is that factor too. Um, honestly, I think this year, some of our biggest things that need to be addressed will be the third D pairing because Tenorti got Tenorti rocked was terrible he and I don't rocked. like he's the weak link he the series that got rocked terrible and Sorry. Hines kept him in the game yeah. I, I don't know how he played him in the fourth like why was Dan Hamuse not out there I, I'm sorry that was the wrong decision like Dan has veteran playoff experience and I know he's not going to just completely screw everything up Tenorti in that second game okay it is a shutout okay 100% a shutout Saros played amazing that game and then the last minute you let two goals in because like your defenseman and this wasn't just Tenorti but he was in the play like you just were not mentally there you're done you checked out you let your goaltender just hang out to dry literally one-on-one for two back-to-back goals in nine seconds and Tenorti was on the ice for one of them Tenorti looked terrible he was a liability on the ice and I do not understand why he did not get swapped out for for um for Dan Hamuse or even Carrier. You have some younger talent too. Like I I didn't get that. And you know how like every coach kind of has like his person? It seems that Tenorti is like Heinz's person, which is really disconcerting for me because I'm like, he is not the person to have. Like he did not look good. So the the offseason, we need to address our third pairing. And then somehow, as I said, Jofa looks great again keep that there but then we're gonna have to figure out the line shuffling for two three and four to figure out what's the best combo and honestly i wouldn't be completely against getting rid of some people to maybe free up some cap space like nick benino i feel like he's still a great a part of the team because of his shot blocking like he he has a lot of like down and dirty goals this year he he actually performed really well but i'm feeling like we need to make some changes like austin watson played we were talking about this. Austin Watson played, but then he wasn't on the power or, or on the penalty kill, which is like his main suit. He blocks shots. He's out there diving, blocking all the shots, and is a physical presence up on the checking to to kill those power plays. And he didn't play on the power or on the penalty kills. Why is that, Coach? Like he's in the roster for that. So if if Austin Watson is not doing that, I'm subbing him out and putting Colin Blackwell in, who has a much higher offensive upside and who's still physical. Like I did not understand why Blackwell Trennan is also another one who um, started coming on towards the, the end of the season and was phenomenal. You also have, by the way, who didn't make the roster Pitlick, who was really great in the uh, basically the preseason last year, which seems like an eternity, but he also was fairly good in our exhibition games in our training camp. So there's going to be a lot of things this year. Tolvanen was on the, um, basically like the very borderline of making the roster or maybe making a game this year too. He actually made the cut yeah. this year, which was different from last year. And I know Hines has like a definitely a past track record of developmental 
uh, for players because I Definitely. think he, he, he was. That, that was yeah. one of his the, his main things. So what I'm hoping this year is that we can sub a few of these players that are not getting time, like Austin Watson. I'm taking Tenorti out. I'm really grooming Carrier, and I'm I, and this is it. Like we're we were one of the oldest rosters on paper, just because we do have a couple older people like Peck pulling the average up. Okay, but at the same time, I'm I'm starting to get the young blood in to start developing them. I'm putting Tolvanen in. I'm putting Pitlick in, and I'm also looking at Tomasino, who had 105 points in the OHL. Yeah. That's what the Preds need to do. You kind of had to expect to see the writing on the wall with a new coach now and and all the new changes going on. That that was just how the way it's going to be. But being said, now that you've established that you've got a young developmental coach in, now you need to start pulling those pieces together and start bringing that talent up. Because I think it's kind of well known outside of the couple uh, that you just mentioned, the Preds really don't have that deep of a, of a developmental pool. They're, they're ranking on the back end of the curve if, compared to the rest of the league. But you got to take that talent you got and go ahead and put him up. Look at, we talked about Tolvanen, one of the great KHL leaders, offensive juggernaut as a youngster. That's very similar to the way Vancouver is. They take their young their youngsters and they bring them up and they coach them and, and they let them continue to produce. But Nashville, it's like sitting on that talent and, and not helping them get to that next level. I would love to see the rankings now, though, because it was one of those things like last year, I felt like we drafted really well. You have um several players that are higher on the prospect list, especially OHL level this year. Tomasino came Tomasino out, came out of one nowhere. Of those, yeah. Like that was an incredible pick. He literally was like third or fourth, like fourth in the OHL in his first season with like 105 points. And that was with swapping teams mid season, by the way. So pit look has looked good. Uh, honestly this year and the, the admirals, I think were the top seed for the AHL. So, you have to be looking like, okay, they've done really well at developing the last couple, like the last year and a half, as far as like the younger talent. We need to start looking at that and say, hey, some of these people that are on the the fringe, like Callie Yonkrock and, and, and you know, like Watson for sure. Like we need to start subbing some people in, like Blackwell and yeah. definitely looking at Pitlick. Pitlick looked phenomenal. Tolvanen has great offensive upside on the power play. He would be a great second power play unit guy which we don't really have a really good second power play right now like there there's so many things this year that they need to look at and i think tolvanen pitlick and tomasino will get a lot of looks coming up this year especially with the new coach as matt said and the developmental and and that's the way it should be if it's not working now's the time to try to change it a little bit and i'm on i'm on that team as well but do you think they will uh, want to let people go like craig smith you know, who's going on UFA, and then you got Mikhail Granler, who's yeah. also going UFA. And then, like I said, Blackwell. Go on, go on. I want to see Blackwell re-signed. You know, he's only $675,000. That's a bargain player. Yeah, but, that's fine. Like I said, you've got Granlin and Smith. Do you think they're going to get re-signed or get let go? I'm, I'm on team blow up the roster and let them go. See, I'm not, I'm not blow up the roster, but uh, as far as, like, you got to think, too. Okay, Smith and Granlin are taking up, like, $10 million dollars. So, yeah, that's, so what get, that's what I'm talking so about. So get this. Look so at your points. if they leave, then I'm subbing in like Pitlick and Tomasino and Tolvanen that are on like entry-level contracts, contracts for $900,000. Yeah. Uh, okay. That is a bargain. Like now we're lowering our cap space and on top of it, we're developing those players for the future. That is what I'm doing. I bet. I'm if, looking at that. Here's something I always go back to. I need to make a list of this is all, give me points for your offensive players. Give me points of production per dollar on your contract. 
I bet if you gave Ram Pitlick and some of these youngsters the same time you give Craig Smith and Fiala, they would have almost identical points. You know, give me 20, 30 points, I don't know, what, 40 points for one-fifth of their contract price. So they are by far a better value on the contract. Also, by the way, if you get rid of the $9 million, you can also go look for a bottom pair defenseman. Your bottom pair defenseman, exactly. So, that, see, our, our, I think our, our forward pool is way better than our defensive pool as far as um, basically like uh, prospect wise. Uh, you can't argue that. We have Tolvanen, Pitlick, and Tomasino. But the question o- outside of Carrier, like defenseman wise, we have like no one in the pool that could be, that could be coming up. And we traded away uh, Sammy Gerard and Seth Jones, which is hilarious. I was like, we've had so many good defensemen on our team. It's, it's hilarious at this point. But at the same time, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting rid of maybe one of these players, Granlund or Smith. Smith really underperformed this year. Honestly, yeah. I would keep Granlund over Smith. Let Smith go. Use that $4.25 million to shore up my bottom two defensemen. I'm going out there getting two third-pair defensemen that are way better than the ones I already have, and then our defensive core is super deep, and then you're still subbing in that talent. Yeah, that's exactly, if I had to look in an area in the roster to try to fix, I think it's the it's the average, you know, second, third uh, string uh, offensive people who are not quite producing like they should that eat up a lot of cap space uh, for the value you get in return. And that's exactly the area I'd look at first to enable to uh, find some space on the roster. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at that too, Weber is taking up only 675. Like these are obviously like third pair people that are getting paid as third pair defensemen. I mean, let's just be honest. But at the same time, like, you got like Hamuse. How how much longer does he have? Like he's getting old. You're gonna have to find a, a replacement for him. Fabro's great. He's looking like he's gonna be a good solid. You know, like he's gonna be paired with Ekholm for a lot of the time. But I'm looking at this region right here, and I'm getting rid of like Tenorti and just put him back at the AHL level, whatever. And we are trying to sub in and try to get a player that's around like the million dollar mark. You know what I mean? Like, like that's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting a couple of one to two million dollar defensemen for my third pair. I know that's a little rich as far as third pair, but hey, if I can save on my forwards yeah. by subbing in some young talent, I'm doing it. Like, I definitely agree. Because Tenorti was a liable. I'm That third pair got rocked this series. Absolutely rocked. The only question I would have with bringing in new forwards, defensemen, I completely agree with you. We need to get rid of Weber, Tenorti at least. If you're going to get rid of any two, it's got to be those two and get a more qualifiable third pair, somebody to, uh, somebody to sub out and out with uh, Ham Hughes. But on the forward side, Nashville does have a very, I would say, becoming reputation of taking effective point production players on other teams. They come to Nashville and they disappear. And they die, yeah. So, you know, that's going to be an area of concern that you get rid of Smith, you get rid of uh, Granlin. And then you try to get the people in and they're going to, first question is going to be like, what am I doing? I've got these examples of players who did really well in other systems. They come here and they're just like, yep, you're just on the bench. Basically, you're not doing anything. So you might be on the ice, but you're not producing. So that's something that they're going to have to fix as well, too. And I think that could have been a symptom of Laviette's former system, how he played. And it's going to be up to Hines with this new season coming up to see if that changes. Yeah, we, we haven't had a lot of sample sizes as far as Hines is concerned. Like, unfortunately, it. Um, once again, I'm, I'm excited to... And it's funny because, like, t- 
Taylor Hall even said this, that Hines was the best coach he's yeah. ever been under. And that's like, that's very shocking to me. And of course, like this is coming from a player who just beat us. But he even said like, he was my favorite coach by far. And um, maybe that's just a symptom of being in the terrible devil system where, I mean, it was just like, it's a dumpster fire organization. But I am very interested to see what Hines can do on a full season. He has a, he has the off season now to look at those prospects to say, hey, I like these. Let's start training them. Let's groom them. But like, yeah, the, the third pair has to, it, something's got to give at this. Well, you know, at least optimistically, that, that does make me feel a little bit better about Hines. And since he has kind of a reputation of developmental stuff, now maybe he can uh, really, really show us what he's got. And you never know, you might get uh, Lafreniere as a first pick too. So that's that, crazy. <laughs> that would help too. That would really help. Now, that would soothe a lot of wounds for for uh, people this year if we got the first overall pick because I'd be uh, quite mad but yeah yeah I mean that's, you're, that's you're the mad. only I'm gonna be mad anyway uh, you're, you're mad anyway would you rather have the Preds have it or Sidney Crosby have yeah, it yeah that's that's true you, you tell me man that's right true. now or would you want the Oilers to have it uh, I wouldn't go that far in fact Matt I think you should just write the NHL and say Gary Bettman let me take over the draft lottery picks yeah that's true if if uh, Nashville gets the uh, Lafreniere there will be there will be riots in the streets let me tell you at least it won't be Vancouver burning the city down. That's true. So guys, any final thoughts on any of this before we close the episode down? <sighs> well, I have to say, when do the playoffs start? In just a couple days? Uh, on Tuesday, maybe? Yes. So, so we'll have to do a... The playoffs start Tuesday, so be looking for a recording on Monday for our full playoff predictions. So the brackets will be finalized as far as what teams will be in by Sunday. Um, t- tomorrow actually so I'm excited to watch all those games especially that Jackets game yeah that's gonna so, be great um, that'll be one for sure to watch but uh, get your brackets ready we'll try to get another uh, bracket tournament out there for everyone you know I think I'm just gonna throw darts this year dude it's gotta be better yeah. than last year because yeah. last year was funny because like we showed up and I'm not kidding Matt had probably 20 papers full of stats and he finished dead last in our, like almost dead last in our bracket. It, yeah. it did I think not my matter. wife beat me and yes. she does not really follow hockey. And didn't did yeah. your wife just pick at random? Yeah, I heard pretty much. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean like honestly this and year. And especially I w- there's no momentum this year. So it oh, is you definitely just, a crap That's shoot. what I said. I even yeah. said like throw out all the stats. Uh, oh, honestly. I, I feel bad for statisticians like Dom and uh, Micah who, you know, they've got these algorithms that are running all these things. Micah's and they on don't, point though. Micah he is, killed it this far. He was one of the only two people to predict that Montreal would beat Pittsburgh. Everybody else had Pittsburgh beaten Montreal. Really? Yep. So, very, very interesting to see the deep dive in all the stats. But, yeah, I, that's one of my favorite episodes of the year, honestly, because, like, I, we just get to sit here and nerd out. It's exciting. It's all speculation. Yeah. Like, we have no idea. And on top of it, this year, it's been so crazy already. I'm picking all overseas first round. No, I, will, I, I won't be able to do that. <laughs> I'll I say, say that now. But <laughs> I will say one thing I do like before we close the show down is I love how the NHL is having fun with this. Like, you know, the, you know, they do like the attendance thing. One yeah. of the screens said NHL's <laughs> and attendance night zero. And another one said, please be sure you exit your couch safely at the end of tonight's game. And another one said, uh, refrain from doing the wave during this game. Yeah, I, I got to circle back around to one final topic before right. we close it out. And that is, who wins the Norris Trophy? Like, we haven't really talked about it because it's been several months. But <sighs> here's the deal. On paper and all the advanced analytics, Yossi is the clear winner. Like, it, it, it isn't even close. And I'm sorry, Carlson. Like, Carlson's had a great year. He came out super hot. I mean, 
honestly, if he, did, if he doesn't come out on that, that record streak in the beginning, Yossi finishes with just as many points. He's also on a team with Ovi. He, he's getting like a bunch of point production from other players, but on top of it, the deep stats point to Yossi winning literally like every category, zone entries, like just being a defenseman too. Like his defensive, which is what the trophy is about, like being the best defenseman. He is the better defender, okay? In my opinion, uh, I'll agree with you. In my opinion, I got to go with Yossi. That's not just a homer thing. Like, I got really upset about that because here in the last several years, it's been the person who has the most points. It's not been the best defenseman. And that is very frustrating to see. And I hope this year they can bring it back and some people like can actually look at the stats and say, Yossi was the better defender and give it to him. But at the end of but the day, but at the end of the day, I'm going to say Carlson gets it because he's been on there twice and it is like almost like a like a, a service, like, oh, you've been on the bid once, well, now's your time. So, like, Yossi's on the bid this year, and say he has a good year next year, uh, it's Yossi's turn. I, I, I think that's dumb. You've got to be on the dock in a year or two. Dumb. Get some name recognition on there. I know, but it that's frustrating me. I mean, out of all the trophies that the NHL gives out, if only one trophy is that's how it's dictated and the rest are given based on, purely, on stats, then I'm okay with that. However, though, it's frustrating seeing a player on your team that you know without a doubt deserves it. He not no, only he's not he gonna not get it. only was the best defenseman. He was the best player on our team and carried the team for those months when it was just like very dry. Like he was the best player. Like it was unarguably the best player. Like Carlson is not the best player on his team. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's like three or four others. You have Oshie Backstrom and Ovechkin on that team. Like you have uh, anyway. That that's just besides the point. Like that's another contributing factor in my opinion. Like he he carried our team. Like we wouldn't have even been as high as a seed as we were if it wasn't for Yossi this last season. So good for him. I'm glad he got nominated. But honestly, at the end of the day, I think Carlson wins it just because. But that's frustrating to me. And this is a part of the show where we would normally have Daniel do the upcoming games. Zero. Matt would do his milestones. But you know, we're getting back in the swings and the things. You know, we're titling this episode back to work because we are back to work podcasting after five months and I'm slightly dreading the playoffs because that's when we generally go to week to week format and that's just a lot of work for me. It's fun though. I'm just it's excited. Fun. Hockey's back, man. <laughs> man, it's, it's, been, been great. it's been great. <laughs> it's fun. It's also a lot of work. You know, we love doing the show. We're glad you guys are back. We're glad to be back with you guys. It's a long and episode, but you know what? We're excited to be back. <laughs> it's a bit longer than normal. It's okay though. You know, like I said, we can use excuse. It's been five months and recorded, so we're just getting things out. Can you tell we were excited <laughs> about recording today? Well, guys, that's going to do it for today. You can check us out on Twitter and iTunes at Music City Gold. And until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock. Daniel at Steve Dan Drum and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.